0: all right we're back look at this guy look at this guy on the bottom of the screen look at the guy at the bottom of my screen you know what you remind me of in there you remind me of like you know that i think it was rocky it was a rocky three where he went to russia Dolph, and fought Dolph long and he had to go I'll train t- i'll take that he had to re- you know he had to train in the snow he had to grow a little beard just to keep warm because it was pretty intense
1: nice or, or when yeah. thor was going overweight and then he grew yes Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh. well I've
2: always kind of seen myself as Thor's friend, you know, the fat guy, the fat friend with the like the big hammer. That that oh, was, yeah. that was always yeah, good. Yeah, I think
0: always yeah. or or uh or Brad Pitt when you know in Legends of the Fall where he like freaks out he hey. and
2: Mike just keep going, right? I'm telling you. I've always seen a bit of Brad Pitt in myself.
0: There's there's just something about it, you know, just staying away um, for a while and coming back with a beard. Something about the it. uh
2: yeah, once up. yeah, for sure. I mean, all I've been doing, I've been I've basically been working out, like watching movies and working out. So hopefully I'll put on something. Beautiful. <laughs> Some muscle. <laughs> well, hopefully. I'm definitely heavier. Everything's definitely tighter. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I look any better. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, I mean, wow, you know, here you are back from, from the pilgrimage, you know. Sharing the spoils of war with your freshly grown beard, and uh, we're my talking about pilgrim
2: tattoo.
0: Oh, look you. at it! Chotus, look at that guy. Dang, you have it,
2: it's all over the so, place. Got my nice. ship up here, and then nice. uh, got the anchor into the scriptures there, and then got the swallow. Oh, beard it's not left. finished, we ran out of time, but it's uh, it's getting there.
0: That's cool, and it's nice and relaxed. So, and while we're talking about paraphernalia. Uh, check this out!
2: Oh, nice.
0: Let okay. me start with this one.
1: Oh, very nice.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, that's nice. Right. Very nice. Right. That's very cool. So, mm. this is andrew's one. I'm wearing that one. Mm. It, it didn't nice. come out as good. I'm a little bit bummed. I should have got them all black. I think.
1: No, that looks good.
0: No, that's good. I like can you, it. Can yeah. you see it? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I can. It's a little yeah, bit like. Hold the...
1: It's
0: there not you. like. It. It's there not. Um, it's yeah. The reason it's not coming out clearly is actually like quite. Faint, you know, like it I was hoping it would be more for the purposes it. of it is a good there, the oh, that's very there we go, that's good. good. Yeah. yeah, it's nice, yeah. yeah. I mean it's got a little bit a little finesse, you know. So anyways, I go one for you and Nick and we'll prototype these guys running around with our Ooh, two-way nice. Sojourner rings. Oh yeah,
1: last nice, nice. and uh a very exclusive club. There'll be yeah, like four well, of us running around with
0: them. And uh Ari Ari's got one again one, Ari. Nice. He's, uh, he's cool. part of the cool. exclusive club. So yeah, is One this day. like
2: is this the thing that when you join our uh, support page, then you get a free, yeah. you know, customized? Tool. This is so more designed. like yeah, no, we gotta think of something cool. Yeah, Do we, we have, have think... a support page? Do we no. have like a like a no? That What's would it be right, a, right, up, there be right <laughs> yeah. up there with show
0: notes. That would be right up there with show notes. But I think we we need to get something like that. I'm thinking that now's the time. Now's Make the time. Make a comment.
2: Just so that we can give people <laughs> rings. Like we're not going to do anything else with the money. Like, we we'll get some extra,
0: <laughs> extra info from
2: us, you know, somehow.
1: Yeah. Whoever we'll sends awesome. us a book to, re- to begin a review on and not finish will get a free. I'll break.
2: give you, I'll give you my custom <laughs> my custom made diet and workout plan. Whoa. You know? Whoa. Well, who wouldn't want that? Dude, that how is to gain what... weight and full how to fill that shit. No problem. <laughs> guaranteed new pair of trousers needed all right so we're moving
0: uh towards (laughs) a i've been thinking of this age and thanks for springing us right into the this agely stuff there i mean that is about as this age as i could ever imagine things (laughs) being you know (laughs) your workout plan um Mm. but but you know moving moving towards what we've just been discussing about maybe this is one step towards it i don't know um we're thinking about just just working through a slightly more literary pieces and perhaps even just going full on, you know, some secular famous classic or something, or maybe just doing a little bit of uh, each for a while. We'll just, we'll just play around with it and see where we go. Um, And maybe an ebb towards that from all our discussion in covenant theology is uh, our discussion tonight, which I'm quite excited about, which it feels like we should have done forever ago, but haven't, but it's like, such a such a awesome thing uh pilgrim's progress and uh and just just do what we do with pilgrim's progress i suppose i suppose what i'm thinking of is lesser like we're definitely going to fail on I'm, I'm i don't feel like i can bring much to the table by way of it's uh, by way of a literary analysis which it certainly deserves um because it is just one of those great uh english classics but um in terms of theology i mean my goodness two ages whoo you got a lot going on there. And in terms of covenant theology, uh, you know, there, there's some interesting things going on. And I was saying to Andrea, the other day, I don't, I don't, well, before just digging around for the show, I, I hadn't really even um, thought that anyone had even asked the question, you know, as to what the covenant theology of Pilgrim's progress is, but what, a, what an interesting thing to look at. Um, so we're coming at this with varying degrees of freshness. I kind of uh, read, most of the book recently again i think i got to the end i can't remember now but yeah i've read it before so i feel like i'm pretty familiar with with the contents nick i I imagine you're the same
1: yep so i've done the audiobook probably about four times uh once at the end of last year once for this and then i've got i've got an abridged sort of children's version like a modern english version i've worked through that twice and then sort of the the old went for the old one twice as well which is really nice okay so you're thoroughly
0: you're feeling fresh this was a. Uh, this was the first thinking about it. The first book I ever read, Christian book was a was a you know um G. White Great Controversy, which was <laughs> like, yeah, turns, <laughs> which, turns out, which, was you another then, Christian
2: book, <laughs> which you then passed on to me. so it became my first Christian <laughs> like, book. Check here. out this awesome One Christian book. This is amazing. About. Yeah. It it's all right. Like, my first worship album was by Jamurakwa. So you know it, it was actually <laughs> a step up from that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Mine was salty. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice <No, it's> salty. <laughs> I don't That's, even know what that is. But...
1: It's a kids, kids uh sing along. <laughs> oh, amazing. P-S-A-L-T-Y.
0: Oh, the singing books. Ellen G actually, I need to always give her credit for she got me onto Reformed church history, I reckon. But more than are, anything man. else, she probably just her that first half of the book before the time that you know it, the second half is all about it jesus got weird it. at the end didn't it? yeah and yeah it's and like th- oh jesus has come back a... already didn't you know he's already back yeah. and, you know and uh <laughs> but, but 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 all the way up until that point you know it's all like about these martyrs dying for the faith yeah. and, it's like it's like
1: a popular uh, version of fox's book of martyrs
0: Or then it, then it There's
1: goes into the more historical then it goes into wesley and woodfield and some of the great Awakenings. Yeah.
0: But also, it, it's actually quite a, like it's just a real bummer that it actually is staying that way because as, I mean I haven't read it recently, but from from my recollection, and from what I've read after that, it's one of those. It's really nicely condensed, very powerful in terms of its rhetoric, and just brings yeah. you right into the scene. And uh it's 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 you know it's a bit more than Book of the Martyrs in that it 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 kind of um yeah it's almost like it reminds me of like a Broadbent's Pilgrim Church. Do you do you know that one? Yeah, I've got it downstairs. Yeah, it's like yeah. kind of like a like a um, you know the minority church history kind of thing. You know, yeah. just yeah. just yeah. You know, all the guys, yeah. you know, the guys that didn't win. You know, and uh, and it just sort of plays with that theme all the we'll way through. Trail of I mean, Blood. So, uh, anyways, I bring that up because uh, I have no idea why. I can't even remember. But, that was the first uh, book Netflix. you read? First Christian book. <laughs> oh, That's yes, where you were going. Yes, and the yeah. second Christian book was *Pilgrim's Progress*, That's which nice. randomly we had like mom had it. In, in remember yeah. that hard copy, like this really nice, like amazing hard copy. It was part of a classics edition or something. And, uh, no, dude, no, I no, no, that- no,
2: no, 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 no. I, I had that. No, I remember now. That was my book. Oh. I okay. got it because I did a, a year with Scripture Union. And as part of that year, went on to the Logos ship, you know, those kind of oh, ships that's uh, yes, around and yes, yes. stuff. Yeah. And they had a book sale there. And I bought those three Christian classics. And one of them was ah. Pilgrim's progress. So that, that nice the
0: hardback, the brown yeah. one, the yeah, wow. Yeah. That
2: thing was nice. Yeah. yeah. Still got those.
0: Yeah. So oh no ways. That would be yeah. crazy for me to see that again. Yeah. <laughs> like major, major memory. But um, <laughs> but but uh yeah, I remember like just saying, what the heck? What a, I didn't never even I mean, I think you do Shakespeare in high school and that's about it, you know, in terms of yeah. um, you know, the even just going back to that genre, and it was just like, what a what a what a, I not even know what I was reading half the time. I was just yeah. totally uh, amazed by it all. <clears throat> and um, I didn't understand half of it, I don't think. Then came back to it about midway through my, my Christian walk and loved it. And then again, you know, and then you sort of repeat. And now I'm working th- through it with my oldest daughter and, um, and, you know, just loving it. I mean, I'm just, again, now I'm appreciating all these like t- Tolkienesque esque uh, aspects that I'd never even considered before, you know, just amazing little moments, you know? Mm, uh, yeah. And then I actually, I was going through, uh, it was a full Reichen or Leland um, uh study on it. And, and he actually brings out a lot of that. He was, he was like, you know, from the English literature side, it's, there's a whole genre that it's working with. It's really, you know, he kind of created that genre and everyone else is is
2: moving in that that pilgrim genre. Mm. So it's uh, a great, so book, funny though. It? I just, I just asked my, cause my son's reading it at the moment. Right. And, um, and I just asked him, oh, I'm d- I told him I'm doing a thing on this. Do you want, you know, what did you think of it, by the way? What you-? And he's like, I, it's good, but it's too scary. I just, every time I pick it up and read it, I just remember the phrase uh, agonizing screams from the dark pits or something like that. And then I can't go to sleep.
1: <laughs> it is real. It is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So,
2: so it's captured his imagination. Every yeah, day I, again, remember, see- I
1: remember a line from near the end and uh, and I realized that there is a gate to hell from the gates of heaven mm.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well even just the battle wow. of the and you know and you've no, got was... just just some really like hardcore moments there where it's mm. it's pretty it feels like wow i'm in this it's full on what am I doing here? Am I reading the Bible? Am I am I yeah. in the book of Revelation? Am I thinking about Tolkien? Like know, I in Lord of the Rings? Is it, I even feel like a little bit of a client come through every now and again? It's crazy because you got those mm-hmm. strong covenantal themes and like the drama of the, the warrior priest, and you know, all of that stuff comes through in some ways. So um
2: yeah, I look is. forward to hearing it. I had not ever because I mean I read the Pilgrim's Progress like back then, mm. and I started rereading it for this, but didn't finish it. And so yep. Um, like I have no covenantal lens for pilgrim's progress. So I'm very interested to see yeah. what covenantal stuff comes I mean, you probably have
1: the basic law gospel lens, the Puritan yes. view of the law. Yes. The yeah. law, you know, brings the, the conviction of sin. Mm. And then there's the the guilty conscience of the Christian who's wrestling with the law. And you know, you don't go to Mount Sinai, you go yes. to the cross and that yes. sort of thing. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, stuff. one time. Yeah.
2: Um, but I do think like because that, that's really interesting. but I, I do think like w- what I vividly remember reading it through the first time was just how because I was a little way into the Christian life, like about a year in or a year and a half in, I think when I read it. And I just remember thinking, this has been my experience. Like I, I, I read, about the slough of despond and the dungeon of you know whatever it was.
1: Is and it slow or it, is it slow or is it slow? Slow.
2: I think it is slow. Sorry. I well, think it's pronounced. I've heard it pronounced, it. I, heard it pronounced I think we could before. take
1: up the whole episode just wondering yeah. about yeah. the <laughs> pronunciation of this yeah. word. I like I like slow, the
0: slow. That's slough. Did. The slough of yeah. despond. The, slough. Despond. the slough of
2: despond. I think it might depend on Lough. what part of the UK you're like from, Lough. because I yeah. think different people say it different words. But anyway, yeah. the um but the uh yeah, I like all that stuff. I remember just reading it and thinking, my goodness, this is just describing exactly my emotional journey. Yes. Like it's looking befell- into things. It's and befell- like the whole exactly. burden and the, like the imagery was so easy to take hold of because it's like, yes. yeah,
0: that's what it felt
2: like. That, that yeah. That's exactly. And and so I think like the the. Know the theology, which is rich as well, but also just the way it taps into that vivid Christian experience, yeah, and um, and just reassured me that all that stuff was kind of normal. Like he's saying, This is the path, you know. And I was just rereading now the bit where he does go through the slow of despondent and and, um, and how he says, But why, you know, like, why couldn't it have been a safer journey? And Mm. he's like, Well, Because all the roads must go through this. You have Mm. to go through this. Mm. And so and it's just like that kind of thing was just so helpful for me. Mm. Mm.
1: Shall I start us off with just an overview of the journey? And then we can maybe pull out some details along the way.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or even just before you get going with that, I mean, um, you know, we probably just need to say something about Bunyan himself. I mean, I haven't got any bio prep, but it's just like, this was a hardcore dude,
1: you know? He was... Wow, he is just a man who spent twelve years in prison because he refused yeah. to stop preaching the gospel. You needed to be licensed to preach, and yeah. he he wouldn't not preach. Therefore, he was put in prison. If he assumed, if he agreed not to preach, he could have got walked out the same day.
0: So yeah, and he takes care of his little kid by like making shoelaces. Making shoelaces. Yeah, his, you know, blind his blind daughter. daughter. Blind daughter yeah, <laughs> you know, like stuff that's so like out of this world hardcore that you just sort of like, what the heck? And I feel like that constantly knowing that story just constantly comes through in the various dialogues that I'm reading in the book because you're right you know obviously he's writing it and and you know it's his insight the whole time he's you mentioned the insight to the Christian uh, the journey and the the things you're going through I mean you know he it just shows he went there all the way you know Um there's that moment where he talks about the blasphemies and then you know in his own testimony grace abounding to the chief of sinners Um yeah. Yeah. you know where he talks about that, that moment where he does, I'm pretty sure it was in that book. So one of his books where he, where he um, talks about just going through a season where he just felt like these blasphemous thoughts that were uncontrollable and it almost killed him. And uh, so that comes through in the book. And, and then you've got just his, obviously his deep suffering, which comes through his own resolve, you know, in, in, in faithful's um, eventual uh, martyrdom um, you've got his, his own willingness to die there coming through. I just found that that really gives some credibility to the, to the book. You know, you realize everything he's saying there, he's just living out and, um, and and he has so much to teach. And then just, just also worth mentioning, just, I mean, this will come up anyway, but I mean, he was like a, not only reformed Baptist, but like, I would, you know, I realize that there are many in the reformed Baptist camp, the, the 1689, camp you know the confessional camp that really don't want to see him as part of their legacy but that's not me i mean this guy is like i'd say he along with spurgeon and gil and those guys who incidentally are all kind of on the fringe a little bit are, are um you know they they are the treasures you know of our tradition yeah mm-hmm. and um and 100%. With, yeah and, and you know and it's he's so, he's pre-1689 yeah yeah
1: well he's pre-active toleration yeah i mean yeah he's, Exactly. Uh, you know, but he's before, right the mix, before though. things came together in a much more homogenized way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He was in that Lucy, that looser stage where it hadn't yeah. quite landed. Um, yeah, there was something, it's- there was something awesome there because he, uh he, he believed in open membership. Yeah, you know, just as a, as a distinctive, you know, that's no without controversy,
0: not without controversy. So, so, anyways, where I was going with that is like basically, you know, he's got, he's got all this glorious what we would consider basically perfect theology, right, um, and. And yet he's got a freshness about him as well, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. Even if I don't, I, you know, I must admit, I don't agree with a lot of what he says. You know, uh, there are some real angles that I would disagree, but I I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I always appreciate that freshness, you know, that you could see this guy was just steeped in his Bible yeah. and he he was mm-hmm. ready to go, you
1: know, and <laughs> he was an uh, original thinker and he had a system of thought. Totally.
0: And yeah. <laughs> then it isn't amazing. Also, we should just say, um, <laughs> you know, this, this thought always blows my mind is that. Uh, you know the the quip about him is always that you know he's like the only guy who'd never read an english classic who ended up writing the greatest of them you know yeah. and um and he only had two books if i understand correctly in his library the bible and fox's book of the martyrs mm. so mm. you know i mean that kind and of his imagination is... yeah so mm. i mean how do you even put that together what a dude! Yeah. he's really one of those incredible and uh,
1: wasn't uh Porgham's progress published by owen because of Owen's influence at the end of
0: the day. That's true. And Owen himself, uh, there's that famous statement mm-hmm. where Owen said, Hey, look, I would, you know, I would take all my learning, flush it down the toilet, kind of thing, for one the moment of the preach yeah. yeah. So anyway. So there we go. There's a little bio off the cuff, but but cool. um I would I would really uh, encourage people if they haven't, you know, all even if you don't like what we're gonna say this evening, you know, go read the book and read something about uh, uh cuz you will you will uh be encouraged by it, definitely
1: as yeah. a christian all right cool. give us a, I give like a kick moment? us off so um i've got a picture
0: wow poor people that are listening on the
2: i yeah, know like audio is getting a raw
1: <laughs> there you go and that's the end of it that's all i have to say about right. that Jay. thanks guys all right Appreciate so it. basically i mean the book, <laughs> the book divides up into 11 chapters and uh of course it begins in the city of distraction And ends in the celestial city. Um, And uh, so so Christian starts in the city of destruction. He begins to read his book. And as a result of reading his book, he has a tremendous sense of conviction of sin. And he realizes his need of salvation. And the first stop is through the slow of despond. At that point, there is uh, an opportunity to choose a road. And he meets worldly wise. And worldly wise sends him up Mount Sinai where he nearly dies, where evangelist sort of comes and rescues him and puts him back on the road. And it's then that he comes to the narrow gate. And after going through the narrow gate, he goes to interpreter's house. After coming out of interpreter's house, he comes to the place of deliverance. And that's where his, bold, his burden rolls away. And then, um, then he meets another fork in the road where he's got the two wrong ways, the path to destruction or to danger. And then there's the hill of difficulty you'll probably remember the the event where he falls asleep on the hill of difficulty and loses his role. Remember that one, his assurance? And then uh, he he passes between the two lines and he comes to the house beautiful, Mm -hmm. where he meets the three maidens. From the house beautiful, he then goes through the valley of humiliation and that's the great battle. Then Mm -hmm. he goes through the valley of the shadow of death. Then he hooks up with Faithful, his traveling companion. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to Vanity Fair Uh, At Vanity Fair, Faithful is killed, and he leaves, and he meets up another companion, and this is hopeful, and uh, there's a plane called Ease, and then there's Bypath Meadow, and they take Bypath Meadow, and they come to Doubting Castle. Where there's the giants, and I forget the Can giant's name. Like, and do you want to that? give all the spoilers though? I'm just well, like, I just, just want to lay it like... out, and we want to come back to this.
0: Like, dude, why don't you just go ahead and tell them if they make it? Well, all I'm right nearly
1: right? finished, so just let me finish. <laughs> then there's uh, the delectable mountains, the enchanted ground, the land of Bula, the river, and finally the celestial city. Alright, so they do make it in the end. They do make it in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! I don't Sheesh. think. I don't think like, just remind me not there. to hang
2: out with you before I read a book.
1: My <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: got treated like you know what they got treated like they got treated like Louis Burkhoff's systematic theology got broken
2: down into its chunks the beginning middle end I found it very helpful, Nick I found Thank it you. Very yeah helpful.
1: for those who want comment uh, content uh, i'll I'll satisfy their needs. Well okay
2: listen <laughs> it's
0: true that even if you do know the story you won't you won't lose anything because it's all it's not really in that. We, we know the, the metaphor itself comes from the Christian life. So we're good. But yeah. Um, but yeah, you still you still get all the substances you read through the text and the dialogues that happen in between. A lot of that dialogues, uh, a lot of dialogues at least happening. You know, uh, I've forgotten how much of that was in the book. It's really just extended like, mm-hmm. hey, what happened to you? You know, oh, well, this happened to me. And then, and then he sort of has there's a opportunity-
1: lot of repeats, isn't there? There's sort of like at the beginning of every chapter, there's a, a recap
0: yeah where it's someone asked
1: him and then what and then what did and, you say and then what did and you then you say? What, yeah. what happened yeah. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: but you know what I loved about it this time around because I remember it did annoy me the first time I think I was just trying to get through it or something but but this time I was like really appreciating it because I realized what he was doing he was actually reinforcing I think maybe because I know my, my daughter's reading it now you know so I'm like mm. wow what a masterful reinforcement <laughs> Of, yes, she needs these, to hear that
1: again. Great stuff. Well, it's just stuff.
0: basic yeah. stuff that I want her to know about. That he's just really, you know, he's not mm. just skimping over it. He's he's digging yeah. deep on these big themes,
2: and um, and that's really amazing. That's helpful. Yeah. Well, I remember just thinking, like, you would like ask ask a question. Ah, but have you thought about this? And I'd be like, oh my goodness, I hadn't thought about that. I'm like, what totally. on earth is he going to say about that? And then, totally. and then he would go on to like, but it was it was quite Puritan in the sense that, yeah, like you could in the same way, when you're reading John Owen's, like, theology, you know, and he'll raise this point, and you're thinking, my goodness, this is, like, so minute, it's like, you know, he's really picking it apart to to, Mm -hmm. uh, an acute level of detail, and then with Bunyan, he does that, but in the conversations, you know, so, like, you you can see the same kind of approach
1: coming through, but just
2: in the narrative style.
1: So, Mike, you want to look at uh, Bunyan's covenant theology, why don't you kick us off with that?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm just thinking of those uh, conversations. There are some funny moments. I got to, I got to, I got to say, well, you know, as you were saying, this kind of like this stilted question answer thing where, you know, and wherefore unto art thou, I mean, how many persons does this one God exist kind of thing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he exists in three persons, you know, just rattling off the catechism. It's like the evangelistic
2: conversation you never have. Exactly. Exactly. And
0: oh man, how's evangelist? He's like this, this really intense character like he's just yeah, yeah. takes every opportunity to preach the best sermon ever and uh yeah i don't know man it was just this is a great book um so many amazing things about it um but the one the one part i found myself like wincing a little bit at this time around which is interesting for me i don't know if this says more about me or bunyan but um he you know there are some things where i was like well because you know you mentioned the puritan bit it's very much like we don't talk to those guys, you know, because those guys are just mm. a little bit, I could, I had to catch myself thinking, man, he does sound a little bit arrogant at some, at some points, you know? And, mm. you know, you can imagine how it might've been a bit of a bit of a bristling experience to be around the real John Bunyan. Like he might've just, it might've been, you know, my way over the highway at some level. So I don't know, but I think that might've come through a little bit this time around for me. And, you know, that's always worth, I don't know. I think I feel less and less like just knowing the reform battles through and through yeah, from the outside out context. Now, yeah. You just sort of feel like, I, I just don't want that ugliness to kind of have its say, but, um, but obviously in theory, I mean, you're with him all the way and and everything he's saying is, is, is 100%. But yeah, we wanted to um want to look at the covenant. So again, I, what I did was just to, I think probably if you think about pilgrim's progress probably that my my um my thought on how to approach it would just be to go okay well let's is there any is there any mention of you know the covenant of redemption is there any mention of the covenant of works is there any mention of the covenant of grace or not not uh, so much as the terms go but but the concepts are they coming through in any meaningful way in the book um and and then all the things in between you mentioned the law that the real take-home from covenant of works versus covenant of grace is law gospel contrast uh the what do we do with moses what do we do with the law and the christian life all these things are are kind of the the applications and then i think you even got an interesting slant with him with uh the baptism what we know about him anyway with um having having a different view of the covenant sign uh to a lot of covenant theologians at the time even reform baptist ones um and then even just kind of being in those Dangerously, potentially hyper Calvinistic sort of days, you know, um, where things could have gone wrong very easily. So I think there is a lot to talk about. Now I think it is a big study, and you probably, you know, we're, we're not even going to do it close to anything. That, that, You know, someone could really just work with this for a long time and come up with some pretty amazing things. I think, but it is just a good thought, just to just to read. And and I'm thinking more than covenant theology. I'm thinking also about the two age sojourning paradigm. And maybe let let's start there, because I do know that he. Um, in fact, I I, I pulled up a, a few essays that I found. Uh, the one was by. So if anyone does want to follow this, I won't I won't put this on the show notes because you won't find it online. I, <laughs> I, it's uh, you need a you need access to journals to get to this. As far as I understand, so I, you know I, I'm not sure that I would even be able to put a link there. But but just uh, if you want to Google Richard Greaves. Uh, for what it's worth. Uh, He wrote an essay called John Bunyan and Covenant Thought in the 17th Century. Um, And and that was very helpful. And then there is um, another one. Uh, Let me just, it was the idea. Yeah, it was uh, Brainerd P. Stranahan, who's referenced quite a bit. Bunyan in the epistle to the Hebrews, his source for the idea of pilgrimage in Pilgrim's Progress just caught my attention because of preaching through Hebrews. So, I mean, I think just even on that, you could do almost just start with that and go, well, the title, Pilgrim's Progress, if he did get that from Hebrews chapter 12, which is a thoroughly covenant, I'm like really appreciating more than ever, is thoroughly covenantal from beginning to end, uh, then immediately you're talking covenant theology from the word go. You know, you're thinking patriarchal days, you're thinking uh, the time of sojourn, you're thinking uh, even the fact that he is relating that to the new covenant and getting to our sort of 2 age sojourning pilgrimage, not theocratic vibe, um, you know, it means that whether he articulated in in so many ways or not, it went through the rubric that got him there, which is Mm. the rubric we're trying to uphold. So I think just even on that title alone and getting, getting the whole idea from, from Hebrews, uh, is an important starting point for us. Um, the, didn't he
2: also write on on he wrote yes. on the covenant? Well, he?
0: totally, he did. And that's the, that's exactly what I was gonna say now. I mean, he's uh it's probably just helpful to know. I mean, he wrote a commentary on Genesis, uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. didn't get to the part, like as far as I know, it stops at uh Genesis 11 I think it is. Um okay. yes, just before Abraham, you know, so oh. like, ah, come on. But you know, it was crazy. I was reading through it and um you know, he has, he remembered not last week, Nick, we were talking about um, Nehemiah Cox and kind of that way in which they, he, you know, the, the, the Noe covenant just got splurged and it was a yeah. covenant of grace and, and Bunyan does the same thing. So he's, he just completely doesn't even think about it in terms of common grace. It's all just one big yeah. <laughs> gracious covenant. And, uh, and, you know, so it's interesting in that he really sets up a real collision course for the very uh, idea of pilgrimage as he said it forth in the in the book but and i think it is i would put that down to just part of that they hadn't really thought about
1: that at that yeah. extent and it hadn't been pushed at that point and um so i think at was, that point they also want, weren't carving out a place for common grace because because uh a lot was theonomic or theocratic at that point yeah,
0: yeah well you know and that's what kind of i suppose it took me by surprise because baptists you know are half down their track anyway and they would have had to wrestle with this concept regardless. And so they're sort of de facto two kingdom guys because they're getting cast out of the kingdom you know, of, yeah. of the world at some level. They, they certainly are more more uh, cognizant than anyone else at the time that uh, the British crown was not was not the kingdom of God, you know, and there they are uh, trying to put the two kingdoms together.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not sure how hard the contrast was. I, I remember reading something that Jim Renihan said. So, during the time of the, you know, the, the writing, of the first London Baptist confession, confession of the 1644, mm. you know, it's it sort of intimated that ministers should not be paid by the state. Mm. You know, whew. and then there was pushback and they retracted it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Totally. <laughs> so, well, can, it, yeah, but we know what was of motivating that. It's not this black and white contrast.
0: No, it's definitely still getting worked out without a doubt, but it's getting worked out in the context of Baptist thought, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, you got to like, what are you going to do with your babies? You know, you can't get them, can't get the papers the same way. So part of it's wrapped mm. up in that whole question. And, uh, and then also, as you you know, I mean, we just think about the whole uh, conundrum there with the 1689 and the, the rebellion that we, we were talking about last week, that was kind of involved um, in, in many of the guys who were uh, framing the 1689. And um, so there was all sorts of
2: p- political stuff going on. But when did Baptists, so, I mean, I didn't get the sense that the Baptists were like eager to, to do away with the whole um, the business of 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 church and state as we think of it today, but more to kind of replace the. It was more they were more backing the whole um, parliament thing, weren't they? Uh,
0: you know, I think this is part of the thing that was being worked out. But like, for example, there. Um, it's so still name, very
2: man. church and state, but just a very different idea of what church and state meant, and that it was it was more democratic, more uh, more representative, rather than um, rather than monarchical and hierarchical. Yeah, so
1: the West, the Westerners Confession said that it, one of the responsibilities of the state is to punish heresy, and so mm-hmm. with the independence in the Savoy and the Baptists, they began to say, no, 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 that's a bad idea. And so you you definitely see a drift away from that sort of emphasis. And even the Presbyterians themselves, when the Americans rewrote the Westminster Confession, they dropped that part in the the late 1700s. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, totally.
0: And I'm just saying, just while you're talking, I'm trying to um, get this article. I remember um, there was a guy, um, people know this article well, and it's actually really helpful. Um, But but another one is written by... um, Oh geez, I'm forgetting his name as well. Uh, it's um, the famous guy Timothy George, um, who uh, put a put an article in uh, one of one of the White Horse Inn uh, Modern Reformation magazines that just really explored this a little bit from Baptist Love, which I thought was very good. But um, he didn't mention this article. Uh, let me just type in Baptist here in my little thing. Let's see what quickly comes up. good, <laughs> good baptist theology separating Yeah, we go uh yes ronald baines ronald baines oh yeah he does a lot of
1: uh articles for the well
0: he's dead now oh really yeah
2: he did he did a lot of us yeah in fact (laughs) he he died he
0: was doing his phd on this topic and he died before he uh actually they they posthumously he they they conferred the degree to him but uh, it's kind of like oof, quite a harrowing scenario. So I think people kind of knew him. I think Jim Brennan knows him and all these guys. But anyway, so separating God's two kingdoms is called two kingdom theology among the new England Baptists in the early Republic. Really mm. helpful. And it shows, yeah, it was full. On. I mean, they, they, they were, they were in this, you know, and they were calling for, um, you know, something that we would be very happy with, I think, you know. Yeah, further uh, okay. separation.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, our, our notion of common grace is very much more, um, so we're working in a context where there's a secular government, not a yeah. Christian government. Yeah. And so we're trying to carve out a position wh- where from, you know, secular governments can use natural law, on the, you know, by virtue mm. of God's uh, providential means through common grace of continuing to establish law and order apart from Christians trying to take over the government.
0: And it's just a known thing that, that you know, common grace was not, not a doctrine that was worked on at all. I mean, you got something going on with the Remonstrance, you know, with the Calvinism Remonstrance thing, with the Arminian clash. Uh, they, they they took it up at, at some small level. Uh, Kelvin dealt with it more in terms of providence and, you know, you know just a general uh, providence of creation. Um, you had uh, Kuiper, and well, even before that, I suppose you had. Um, um, uh who's the three uh, hodge hodge uh dealt with it a little bit but then kuiper was the big guy and that's way later you know so so after <clears throat> kuiper really people started to think about it at the, in, in the way that we're now thinking about it so i think that's uh important to keep in mind so anyways we're, we're getting uh bunyan off the hook here with all of that <laughs> but, you know so he wasn't driving a theonomy by making that point is what we're saying um And and that's relevant to his covenant theology. I don't know where that might feature. Well, look, here's what I would say in terms of Pilgrim's progress. Like the entire book, uh, in fact, I did pick this up in my reading this time around, especially in Vanity Fair, for example. You know, there he is getting tried at Vanity Fair. I mean, you've got my kingdom is not of this world. It's basically what's going on over and over again. And the whole book is essentially a polemic against theonomy at some level because it's it's moving in a very much a, hey, just, in fact, I think uh, there was this one, Man, I wanted to jot it down, but I think it was obviously they're saying something against faithful at the trial. And then, uh, and then either he says something in defense of himself or someone says something, I can't remember, but one of the virtues upheld at that point in his defense was that he was, you know, living a quiet life and, uh, something that was not at all getting involved needlessly in in the affairs of men and so forth.
1: Yeah.
0: And so if anything, they were kind of moving too far in that Anabaptistic direction, um, or, or you know sort of a uh the paradoxical thing was even getting left behind it was almost like a a world versus the church thing but anyways uh the, the bottom line is that it definitely wasn't promoting theonomy of any sort i mean in no none of those dialogues nothing that was upheld there would uh, in any way move into a transformationist direction so i did i noted that for the first time in my read this time <clears> through
1: yeah i wonder if that's also <clears throat> feeding off of the you know in the um Early 17th century, when James the first came in and the Puritans thought, Great, we've got a king from England, he's from Presbyterian background, now we can push our Puritan agenda. And they came to him and mm. basically he rebuffed them. Yeah. A, and he's the one who started promoting sports on the Sabbath. And the Puritans more and more withdrew. And it's during his reign that the Mayflower went to America to go find their own religion. They wanted, you know, a true place to go and practice. Mm, mm, mm. So I'm wondering if some of that's also feeding into it. So it's not oh, purely the pulger, a church the yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you know. Well, he does actually mention that. Um, Stranahan uh, sounds like Renahan, but it's not. Yeah. Stranahan. Stranahan. your
1: surname ends with hand, you're a church historian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, he he does mention a little bit of that. So um, anyway, so that that's you know something just off the cuff. We haven't even got into the meat of it yet. But yeah, uh, one of the things
2: that was interestingly, very... I think the Mayflower actually left from the dock down the road from me. Uh.
1: Sixteen
2: twenty. Where are you? No, I'm in Felix though, but I think it okay. left from Harwich, which is oh. like literally across the across the river from us. So, nice. uh, yeah, there you go. There we go. Interesting. There we go. I don't know that for a fact, but I just vaguely remember seeing that museum in in Harwich last time I was there. So there you oh, go. Nice. Go check it out. Cool. <laughs> uh,
0: the the other thing is just to you know beyond the Genesis commentary, which is extremely helpful on the covenant of works, obviously because he's dealing with the garden um it, it just takes all the guesswork out you know where he's coming from you know as he writes mm-hmm. the book covenant was a big deal for this guy you know there's just no doubt about well, didn't it didn't he
2: write a book called like on work, work law and grace
0: or something yeah unfolding and... uh unfolding what is it called law and grace or something like that uh yeah mm-hmm. exactly so and that's a big exposition on uh the covenantal forms of law and grace as they as they move mm-hmm. their way through the bible big biblical yeah. theology really and um and there too you get a lot of clear ideas of what what he had in view so i mean with that in mind we, what we could do maybe is just go through um think about each covenant in turn and just see what we come up with in terms of the book and i'll just kind of mention what i found in the various essays yeah. um, Cool, sounds good Help yeah us. so let's uh let's go with covenant of re- let's start with the covenant of redemption um actually this might be a negative way to start but i this was the one area that i really bunyan's theology kept on irritating me um because he's, he's holding that by covenantal structure so it's covenant of works covenant of grace and then doing the typical baptist thing where just covenant of uh, redemption covenant of grace gets splurged into one they don't like the two because then it gives grounds for like all sorts of other things and he was baptist you know he didn't see he did not see reason to to um include anyone yeah. but the elect in the covenant of grace <clears throat> and um and so, as you know, for, for those who are interested, I think we did years ago do an episode on this where I think we were talking about Gil, but Tom Askell has written a brilliant essay where he compares, or not essay, sorry, dissertation. And it's available for free now. I had to buy the thing, but now it's for free. Uh, <laughs> nice. so go and get that. Um, where you basically, you know, he, he's taking Fuller, who obviously was not hyper calvinistic and Gil, who was leaning that way. And he was going, what's the deal? You know, And the big deal is that you see the importance come through here in, in the covenant of grace, covenant of redemption. Even if you're not trying to advocate some sort of Presbyterian doctrine uh, through the covenant of grace being separate historical administration, um, it's still important to have. Otherwise, you start collapsing time into eternity. And, and even just the language becomes frustrating because you're trying to fit law and grace into the same thing and like christ has done something for you by works and yet it's for you by grace and it's the same covenant and this is what klein actually wrestled with because he he started off with a bi-covenantal thing and then he was like it's not working it's not fitting all the details Mm -hmm. in you got christ as the covenant lord and Christ is the covenant servant, you need two different covenants, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. and and so you see, like, this is the, the, all the essayists they work with this in Bunyan, and it's driving them nuts, you know, because it's like, what what is it? What is he saying here? <laughs> and you can see, I mean, here's
1: here's, a, I mean, Mike, maybe you can help me with just a question because I mean, we would we would understand, I mean, the Westminster doesn't have a developed doctrine of the covenant of redemption, though, of course, they would believe it, yeah. Um, and it was really Owen who brought it forward in the Savoy, and he's a contemporary of, of John Bunyan. Yeah. And then as Baptists, we build on Owen, as it yeah. were, yeah. in his in his integration of the Covenant of Redemption into the the larger standards. Yeah. So I mean, isn't it an, anachronistic to ask Bunyan to comment on this if he's a contemporary of Owen and Owen's the one who's really helping us as Reformed Baptists to establish that direction?
0: Yeah. Well, th- th- that's the thing. I mean, it's 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 less a matter of. um, uh, you know, uh, being unfair on, on Bunyan and more just a, oh, this is what, this is the frustrating part of the problem. You know, this is why we needed Owen to come and develop that. Yeah. Because, right. because... I mean, he wrestled
1: with the covenant of redemption in conversation with, you know, the Trinity and all of the other doctrines as well. You know, he saw yeah, so... the implications and he tried to map it out.
0: And, and to be fair, I mean, everything Bunyan's saying, we'd agree with under yeah. the category of the covenant of redemption. It's just that it gets so darn confusing. When you flip over, or you just he just uses this language, especially with the sensitivity that we attached all of this by way of um, what we now know, because I mean he was kind of involved in those debates with the um, the, the guys that were saying, hey, the, the guys were being accused of antinomianism, you know, um, precisely for that reason they were just they were just collapsing time and eternity, and just the Baptists were really to blame on a lot of those things. But um, the other thing is uh, just you know if you don't have a covenant of redemption. It's interesting that what happens is that you start wrestling with this issue of conditionality at a, in a way that gets so messy, because now what are the conditions of the covenant of grace? And then and then the rhetoric just goes crazy because it's like, well, the, Christ met the conditions, you know, and, and obviously yeah. everyone agrees with that because that's like, obviously. Yeah. And, and, it, and we would say amen in terms of a covenant of redemption, like that, you know, that is the condition of the covenant. Of, it's a covenant of works, really, that yes. Christ has fulfilled. Um, and therefore, we have this covenant of grace, to which you might say we have a condition of faith, in a certain qualified sense, you know. Yes. But we're able to just very, very clearly bring that out with those two covenants. Whereas you mix those together, and it's like, wow, where do it's you... not a condition.
1: Therefore, you are justified from eternity. And now,
0: somehow, what you're doing has to be like qualified in the sense that you're not doing what <laughs> Christ did. And it's like, wow, yeah, mm. what a mission. And then, and then you see it come through also where where they're trying to work it out. And this would obviously be the big question. I was I was very interested in this, going through it again. Uh, found it very hard to figure out, though. Uh, you know, how does how does Bunyan stand in relation to 1689 federalism? And um, where would he have... And, and really the central question there for me would be, how would he view the Abrahamic covenant?
1: Yeah, um, there wasn't a lot of discussion there, nor the types of shadows, nor no, the well, substance. I, would, in the I actually feel areas. like
0: I came away with some fairly... I don't know. If, like, look, I'm, I'm not. I'm not claiming to be a bunion expert by any stretch. So someone might prove me wrong on this, but, but I feel fairly confident from what I read that it would be hard for me to see otherwise. Anyway, at this point, that that he would emphatically not think of the Abrahamic covenant as a covenant of works. Um, in fact, he's he's very clear that that begins at Moses. You know, there is something going on. I like. I mean, he had a very strong doctrine of republication. Yeah. um so he was right there he was i mean you do see not that comes go through. back to
1: moses do yeah. not go back to the law the exactly. law will kill you
0: exactly yeah. you could that comes through right in um in very Portuguese early progress. on so
1: after the slow of despond, he meets mm-hmm. worldly wise and worldly wise advises him to go see mr legalist
0: mm-hmm. yeah and then there's some all these uh allusions that that you um you know i can't remember what they were now but yeah you definitely got the feeling that hey this is the covenant of works this is not part of an administration of the covenant of grace the law is and if anything he he you know certainly he had a place for the law in the christian life but but he pushed back on a lot of those that were trying to say that the law was even
2: like in any sense gracious um i remember that conversation with mr legalist was one of the conversations where i thought my goodness he's really drilling down on this yeah you know and with the with the conversation between them mm. and the, the kind of questions that he's asking. And I'm thinking, whoa, well, and that and Mr. Talkative, I think those were the two ones that I thought were my, most hammered out because I was like, Well, I think Mr. Talkative's got a point there. And then I was like, <laughs> like Yeah, clearly, well, you, clearly. Know what, you know, you know, okay, this is a little side side hustle here, but but in terms of
0: um, you know, that talkative thing, I found out man, we need to do a whole session on, on this alone because um, you know, you've got what are we doing right now you know mm. i mean podcasts and the sort of thing i mean we're we sort of got this whole deal where in we a multitude talk, right? of words
1: sin is not lacking
0: right and and he really drives it home doesn't he i mean you've got <laughs> you've got this there's, there's got to be something else going on and and i found myself thinking oh man you know like
1: i don't know i would, I would put what we're doing now into um when they're going through the enchanted ground where there's a strong temptation to sleep and yes. He draws on fellowship and conversation Great. with hopeful to keep himself Excellent. awake. Yes. No, that's, Brilliant. that's what I think this would feed into rather. Well, than I don't just know if you guys picked this up.
0: I don't know if you picked this up, but I found like, years a little bit of like, I almost felt like I had a little Bible moment in the pilgrim's progress, which is kind of, you know, it was like, I usually only get this when I'm preaching. So maybe we should add pilgrim's progress to the canon. Because <laughs> it's all about subjectively deciding which book is in the Bible, then I, you know, who knows what just happened there. But but basically <laughs> you 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 uh you know you get that end point. Um it's in chapter, well, the chapter where he's done talkative, whatever that is. Okay. And they go through and he's dissing, talking, and like, you know, talking, talking, talking. It's got to be action, blah, blah, blah. And then it ends by them talking. And he explicitly mentions almost in a way that contradicts the whole thing that's gone before. That 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 he and uh, was it innocent or um or faithful at that point faithful uh,
1: faithful. Dies faithful? At Vanity Fair. Oh yeah, faithful that's true. Joins him after Vanity Fair.
0: So faithful and him go on talking to keep themselves you know engaged through the difficult road ahead or something. Uh, but but there is uh there is a moment there where I thought oh well there we go. If, I, I would imagine if I was an English guy and I was looking for all these textual clues and analysis, I would I would want to see that as a point where where Bunyan sort of keeps himself from being misunderstood on this. You know, he's not slamming Mm -hmm. the conversational piece in the Christian life and real, the the real value of, of talking at the end of the day. Mm. Um, But, but not in such a way that was hypocritical and so forth. So, I mean, the real thing, the real, the real thing with talkative came out where there's a section where he just goes, on about how bad talkative actually is you know Mm. and you're like okay wow this guy is pretty diabolical yeah okay because i I mean
1: i I think one there is a strong theme throughout poldum's progress and it's the theme of friendship yes where and so talkative is not inside the friendship bubble so we're faithful you know and christian are friends and there's that sense of you know two is better than than one you know and they're carrying each other through and the same thing with hopeful so when faithful dies the lord raises up another friend hopeful yeah you know there's there's the sustaining fellowship throughout this this deep friendship
0: (laughs) another thing that just comes to mind now um man i don't know if you guys had this i don't know why this just kept on happening you know as i was reading it but you know those uh, moments with, um uh, you know, in, in Lord of the Rings where they're moving along and those constant little moments of conversation between Samwise and uh, and uh, who's the guy? Uh, the Hobbit. Frodo. Guy, huh? Frodo. <laughs> <thank you>. uh, <laughs> they're, they're like real little moments like that, right? It's yeah, just yeah.
2: It, like where he's encouraging him. Well, it's and that just, friendship theme again. A the friendship theme, yeah. yeah. Fellowship.
1: yeah Yeah, definitely exactly it's a strong theme all the way through so now maybe i could at at this point before we get onto the covenant of works maybe just bring in a a critique of john Bunyan. so it was spurgeon who tells the story of a conversation with an uneducated woman who criticized pilgrim's progress so you can imagine well here's you know spurgeon and what can this woman say that would be bad about pilgrim's progress Mm. and she raised an interesting point she said you know uh John Bunyan got it wrong because Christians should have dropped his burden at the gate and not mm-hmm. carried it any further. Mm-hmm. Instead, he took it all the way to the cross. That's and the I think...
0: justification thing going on there.
1: <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and I think what's so interesting about the book, which really places it in its time and relates it to John Bunyan's own experience, is we know that John Bunyan had a very heavy legal experience mm. where um, he came under incredible conviction of sin. He thought he had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. He lacked assurance for... The whole beginning of his christian walk and as Mm. a result he carried his burden when he should not have and it's probably worth just noting that it um, the first part all the way up until the place of deliverance really does reflect bunyan's own experience and i guess the typical puritan experience because the Mm. puritans would preach the law in order to bring you into a sense of you know i am feeling very guilty in my need for christ and then, uh, you know, you come to Christ, but that doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily come to an assurance of salvation. And so he's gone through the narrow gate. He goes to interpret his house, but he's still got his burden. Yeah. And it's only when he gets to the place of deliverance that it rolls off at the cross yeah. that he really gets his role of assurance. And um, it's, worth, it's worth just noting that. I think that's true. And
2: I think that's why it's important, because I think a lot of what Pilgrim's Progress is doing is tapping into Christian experience. Yeah rather than objective christian or, or objective theological realities. Yeah. So this so is said to oh I would christian.
1: have I would have got rid of my burden at the gate.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well yeah once on yeah. yeah yeah but it is also just like I do remember that actually I, I do remember the um wondering about like why he's carrying the burden for so long. And I, I do think also it did make me wonder where exactly in the pilgrim's progress you know Bunyan places the the whole kind of regeneration event you know like where where does it, where exactly in that story does it happen yeah because
1: uh, and i think that's
2: you know it's an interesting question i'm not sure I, but i think the puritan
1: I, view you know just just tapping into uh, ian murray's analysis of puritan preaching and the sort of old way of preaching the gospel is that there was a law work that preceded a grace work, you know, 90% law, yeah. 10% grace, where oh, yeah. such Wesley following the typical Puritan view would see that, you know, you preach the law to bring them into a sense of their sins. So that they can finally trust in Christ. And, um, after getting through the slow of the bond, uh, when he's having a conversation with worldly wise, worldly wise, ask the question, so how did you come by your burden? And he says, well, I got it when I was reading my book, you know, which is obviously the Bible. And, uh, and so then he, the whole point of him going to Sinai is because, you know, Wildey Wise promises him that he can get rid of his burden by going to Sinai. Mm. And uh, it's, it's this whole conflict with his guilt. And it's he tries to do it by keeping the law and he cannot. Mm. And um, it's only when it comes to the cross that it gets rolled off. But yeah. Mm.
0: Well, that reminds me of uh, something I read in uh, that essay by Greaves. He said um, that, that, you know, one of the things that comes through, uh, and I think he phrased it this way rather than Bunyan in any po- point, but, but he said, you know, in all his study, he would sort of condense the whole thing this way. But as they're going through the slow of despond, really the, the big question Bunyan would have the reader ask, you know, in light of his theology is, and he puts it, um, which of the, which two, which of the two covenants are you under or my soul? And, you know, <laughs> is it a covenant of works or a covenant of grace ultimately? And that's just really is the bottom line. And if you are, so yeah, it's like, almost oh, it's like this real big thing to get in, you know? And then once you're in there, that's the thing you hold on to, you know, yeah. like it, it, it's gotta be that. And it, you see this come out in these conversations with uh, along the way where, Hey, it's impossible uh, that unless, unless the gatekeeper effectively open for you, you know, you're just never going to be this this christian you know so you can see that very high calvinism coming through there um yeah. but then once you're in it's like wow you are under a covenant of grace at this point and that's just the end of that and now it's your duty again and again just to call your own soul to to remember this you know yeah. and i thought that was a great point
1: maybe just a weakness that i found <clears throat> through the story and i guess it's a weakness that this the, you know the whole The framing of the story in itself doesn't lend itself to this, but the centrality of the church to the Mm. Christian life. Mm. So you see the interpreter's house and you see the house beautiful. But I would have loved to have seen it as regular inns throughout the whole journey.
0: Well, what, what about the shepherds and the... the?
1: Um, yeah, there, the were, there were a couple and... of places where of relief I, and a couple of places... I feel some...
0: like I always, unless I was just interpreting them wrongly, but I, I sort of, that was my immediate kind of, oh, yeah, church, yeah. got to keep coming. Because I mean, there, there was know, a mention was
1: just... of the sort of pastor that you should look for and yeah. sort of shepherd you should follow. But it yeah. didn't feature, you know, like every Lord's Day. Yes, okay. And yeah. you know, every Lord's Day we're, we're going to church. Every Lord's Day we're with the Lord's people. Every Lord's Day we're, we're partaking of the Lord's Supper, totally. we're sitting under yeah. the word. So you don't you don't experience that. Yet there is this little bit of a sense of a lone wolf Christian experience. Yes, yeah, it, it's yes. not totally it's, totally. So I it lacks that. an ecclesiological emphasis, though wow. it is mentioned.
0: But you know, I I actually did and think that's about the that. story. Yeah. Anyway, and I, I just you know what happened to me when I started thinking about that? I was like, ah, oh, it's almost like you can do that with any part of the thing. You know, it's almost like this is the problem. As you mentioned earlier, it doesn't really yeah. lend itself to making points like that because the whole idea of an allegory is that all of that is going to go out the window. You know, exactly. <laughs> you, you have to <laughs> like, and, and I've noticed it a lot when I've been explaining the allegories to the kids. You know, because. You know firstly you have to get your mind around the fact yeah. that okay actually this is it's kind of like this weird overlap because they they talk about jesus in the allegory and
2: yeah jesus yeah, it's not like the it's allegory. like a puritan allegory not a <laughs> yeah. not a medieval allegory.
0: exactly yeah. and uh, it's like a, it's like allegory but it's still being pretty Well, oh, yeah. it's it's like uh it's like it's like if um all of a sudden yeah it's kind of what do they call it like uh historical fiction or something where where all of a sudden you're in a fantasy, but then all of a sudden, like there's a Roman Catholic there, you know, (laughs) Lord
2: of the Rings gone Rome you know and, and yeah. like there, there is all the. Well, it's a bit, the like yes, the yes, exactly. a bit more like C.S. Lewis where Santa rocks yes yes exactly yeah
0: exactly and they're, they're sort of in the in the World War II setting and whatnot but but anyway so you've got all of that so you got to try and get your mind around this and yes we're going on a journey but no we're not actually going anywhere and we're kind of you know <laughs> so you don't actually have to move can, around Can only
1: yeah. illustrate so much yeah. exactly yeah.
0: and and so you know he's worked this thing to its absolute core um, but yeah I mean it's like almost
2: any point is going to suffer from that analogy yeah, because of the but analogy. it's i think it is a, a a good you know a good observation though nick and but i i think again if you, if you see the like i think he, he he tries to portray that need through the fellowships and the friendships and the and that kind of thing but not through the it, but i like the idea of the ends i think that would have been really cool if they were like you know, regular, you can almost regular inn
1: stops. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
2: Well, well, cause the ends I think function a bit like that early on in Tolkien, you know, like the, the prancing pony and, and that kind of thing. Um, I think there was an inn in Hobbiton as well, where, where, you know, they are like these little rest respites in the story and like Tom Bombadil's house and, and that kind of thing. So I think that would have been a really cool addition. What are the, yeah. um, uh, what are the, uh, the King's
0: meadows at the end? I didn't I can't figure that out should have looked that up but i have no idea you know where they're kind of just kind of the waiting room before the celestial city
2: what is that oh i i thought that might i thought that was heaven basically yeah so like i was just i was getting stuck on it yeah I mean, an at, intermediate at that
1: point state. yeah i wouldn't try to match it up with the intermediate state and you know no i mean I, you <laughs> no, the but distinct... it was
2: just that kind of idea it's just the the kind because he hadn't like, died you yet know? you know like he
0: hadn't gone through the no. waters yet yeah because so, no, the waters is death yeah 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 so just, i i sort of put that down to church to be honest like i was just like okay there's a yeah because at one or... point
1: there's like the land of beulah and i thought to myself okay is that when the guy's like in his like deathbed now he's just like lying in bed and now it's just you know from here on in it's basically just
0: totally just contemplation just about of heaven it. and yeah. all
1: the last moments of a man's life as he looks that way Totally,
0: that could that could work Yeah, it was a little bit like like hebrew uh prose in that and, and even just the the bible really and and the way that the half the goal is not to answer the question but just get you to ask the question and then and then because the question is so mesmerizing or because it's so all-encompassing that's kind of the point <laughs> you just you're sort of ready to answer the question via other angles because you've asked it and it had a lot of those moments for me you've just you've just like you don't really get the answer but it to have that at the forefront of your mind as you read the story has, ends up being really important somehow. And um, it's quite, quite amazing a, a, as the process went through, um, you know, on a few different mm. points. So, What was
1: your favorite part of Pilgrim's progress?
0: Oh man. I know the most convicting part, but I'll um, we'll jump Perfect over sure. that. That can be a favorite part. Yeah. Now I would have to say for me, it's the, it's the, I mean well the most like profound part was faithful yeah and the the, yeah, yeah. the you know the, the most uh, not profound but just something i don't know just crazy and then
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and
2: it was just yeah, like yeah, that was shoot. the first time ever in my life i cried reading a book yeah, and yeah, it was. It I was think moving. I think it's probably the last time I ever cried reading a book. And I think, um, <laughs> and I was like, "What is the thing that's happening to me?" You know, like, uh, <laughs> suck, it it like suck it back in, suck it back in. I never cried during any like media of any kind. You know, this was <laughs> an utterly bizarre experience.
0: Yeah, um, but then I then the uh, man this, the the going through the waters of death has been as. Has stuck with me. Powerful, I mean, huh? that that really has stuck with me, and I think I've, it probably I, will I, be on I my mind
1: regularly. I listen, I've listened to that book four times, and the last two times I listened, I remember I just, I just like stop. Yeah. And the trumpets are blowing, and the yeah. angels yeah, are yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's oh! so amazing. It's just yeah, wow, <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. So yeah, there we go. There's a spoiler. Well, the other <laughs> the
2: other bit does go to heaven <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he does it doesn't it's it wasn't like a climax of the story or anything but it did stick in my mind very very vividly was about him falling asleep and the scroll rolling out of his pocket and yeah and yeah. that kind of thing so that was and on it, the
1: hill of difficulty
2: yeah, yeah yeah and and just like he finds this little um what does he call it uh like an enclave uh what's it called uh what's the word he uses it's not Uh, like a cove but it's it's something Something, like that and yeah yeah, and it's just like this little place of rest and you rest just a little bit too long you know it's like a it's like get back in the battle right get back on the pilgrimage yeah Yeah. and i think that that kind of imagery of just like you know it's that it's that it's good at points in the christian life to be indulgent and to just feed off of the word and to and to but then to, to make it a selfish thing for too long where it's not seeking yeah. to work its way out and in other people's
0: kinda lives, like, and kind of like you now on Sabbath episode. yeah, dang ex- exactly.
2: <laughs> I, I gotta get back in the saddle. I gotta get back in the saddle, otherwise, I'm gonna fall asleep and I'm gonna lose, <laughs> yeah, the yeah I lose your role, and, and yeah. I
1: mean, obviously, the other grand is the valley of humiliation where there's the confrontation with Beelzebub, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he comes and he shoots it. just this day long yeah. battle. You know, it's it, all day it, long they're battling and his butt, you know, arrow after arrow, and he gets hit in the shoulder and yeah, the arm yeah. and the foot, and then he yeah. falls down. And finally he reaches for his sword. You will not, uh, what's it, triumph over me, oh my enemy, though I rise, I shall fall. And he yeah, smites no. him. You know, <laughs> it, that <laughs>
2: would make a great chest tattoo right here. Ooh,
1: yeah, man, is, I, I agree, except that you've got a big picture of Satan on your chest.
2: That's also... That's a good point, so be it, so, be it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah,
1: that's the one, that that that's the struggle that that, that As I'm long gonna, as there's I kind of the blood most, coming out of his. Why neck? would I want a <laughs> tattoo of the devil on my chest? Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, I had not thought about that before. That's yeah, a good exactly. point. Glad glad we have this conversation now.
0: <laughs> and then you know, it, one of the things just reinforced I think in light of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, which I think is important for and for me, it's it's one of those minor themes in the book, but it just stays and it just it. I'm always surprised at how much it hits me when I, when I go through it, just the sweetness of fellowship, you know, is the, is the real key to that whole journey, you know? So coming back to your, I mean, for whatever, whatever it lacks in terms of, um, you know uh, some ecclesia, ecclesiological sort of centrality there yeah. uh, it, it certainly gains in terms of like you can't do this alone you know you need yeah. you need to know Christians that are and, and even just doing what we're doing now and and just being plugged in and talking uh, in the good sense uh, one's way mm. through to be to stay yeah. encouraged and to be reminded of all these things you forget and it's, it's, it's usually just these simple things that they're saying to each other like brother mm. let's not forget that at the end of the day yeah. this is what's going to happen yeah, yeah. And, and he's like that is yeah. a sweet thought thank you for
1: reminding me of that yeah, you know? yeah. And, and i, I'm and like, I guess dude, there we go yeah.
0: only a christian can understand that that's Amen. the thing yeah. yeah yeah but
1: also i mean just one of the things about the death you know, when christian really loses it when he's passing through the river yeah like he's truly scared of death yeah and i don't know about you but as a pastor you know i've had a lot of conversations and some people are just genuinely scared of death you know they're actually Mm, really 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 most
2: people i would say yeah Yeah.
1: so uh, and um so just that that i mean there was a a moment of real reality going on there and then just to see how hopefuls friendship really sort of really mattered at that point was at that point yeah. yeah
0: exactly exactly so yeah more we could say but that is um hopefully a good dose um i do have a whole bunch of quotes here, but i don't think we, we we should touch them now i think that's a good night to end on um and uh and maybe we can come back to this again but I, I do like the idea of bridging out from this into something thinking about friendship and uh just just some of the classics mm. are written on that so it might be a good way to just 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 broaden out a little bit um sweet thank you brothers and friends that was a good journey good, through the goodbye
2: Yes, indeed. So true.